us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the chance to be in your house to worship here today. Thank you for the music that Preeti and Kim and Mark just shared with us. Lord, we pray that our hearts and our minds will be open as we open the word of God to you and to your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. I want to say to the second service crowd, if you think my kids are as cute as I do, and you want to see them more, then you may have to once in a while come to first service, because uh, uh, we're getting into a bit of the witching hour, for at least for the, the littlest one uh, nap time, and so typically they will be at first service. So if you don't see them quite as much, then just uh, know that's where they are at there in the first service time. It is good to have my family here with me while I've enjoyed being with all of you in the previous times that I've been here. Uh, it just feels a little amiss to not have my wife out there and of course my kids as well uh, in the congregation. And even though I know that she can't give a thorough critique of my sermon afterwards because uh, with three kids it can be uh, uh, missed to say the least. Any other parents ever miss the sermon? few of you have missed a sermon or two in your life because of children. Uh, just having her presence there uh, gives me comfort because uh, not that you all aren't wonderful to look at, but there's a very beautiful face to look at if ever I start to get in trouble. So, uh, so there we go. And also there's those moments when I start to say something I shouldn't. She does look up at those moments and kind of raises those eyebrows to say, time to move on. So... Anyway, it's good to be with you all here today. I want to talk to you about a word that appears 11 times in the New Testament. Ten of those times occur in one book, in the book of Acts. It's actually a word that in English is a, a singular word in Greek, but in, in English it's translated into a phrase, and the phrase is with one accord. This phrase catches my eye for our sermon series, This Is Our Church, I've done several sermons now here at this church and been kind of talking along this theme from the book of Acts because first of all, it appears so many times within just one book of the Bible, but not just any book of the Bible. It appears 10 times specifically in the book that relates to the description and the organization and the, the foundation of the Christian church. The ten times in which this phrase appears in the book of Acts, seven of those times are, are in reference to the specific actions of the church, the, 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 the body of believers themselves. The other three times that it occurs in the book of Acts, it's speaking actually in reference to, to the opposition to the church and, and that they are with one accord in their actions against the church. The high repetition of this, uh, this, this high repetition of this phrase within the book of Acts triggers in my mind that this is something important for us to understand and to know. Now I think though, for many of us, the phrase with one accord, probably if we thought about it in our modern context or our modern thinking, could be misunderstood to what may actually be applied here in the book of Acts. If you would like to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, we see the very first use of this phrase. Acts chapter 1 
and beginning in verse 14. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, the New King James Version. That's important to note because if you're reading from, say, the, the New International Version this morning and you open up to uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, you may think to yourself, the pastor gave us the wrong verse. If you're reading from the New American Standard Bible this morning and you open up to Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, you may think to yourself, the pastor gave us the wrong verse. Let me read to you from the New King James Version. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There's a second usage in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 is actually the first time we see this phrase used in, in connection to the church post-Pentecost. Speaking now of the church post-Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 so continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart. If you're following along in the New International Version, the same verse reads in this way, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want to say this, I know these versions are all different and people have some concerns about some of the differences in the different versions of the Bible in, in this day and age and that's kind of a hot topic right now within the Adventist church. And I just want to, to make mention to you that if you're one of those people that likes to have that debate about the different versions of the Bible, I'm not the one to talk to. And here's the reason why. Not because I'll... I'm so much smarter than you and I'll beat you in the debate, but because I uh, apply to the, uh, the philosophy of one of my heroes, HMS Richards, who when he was asked what is the best version of the Bible to read, and he said the one in which you will read. Anyone ever heard that before? So if you're reading from the New International Version and you see that it doesn't match up with what I'm reading from the New King James Version today, don't freak out. You're reading from the New American Standard or the New Revised or whatever. If you're reading the Bible, here's my encouragement to you. And we're going to actually talk about this more next week. Here's my encouragement to you. Just keep reading the Bible. Amen? So I want to let you all know that to, so, so we don't have to have that conversation down the road potentially. But here in, I prefer the translation of this word, hamathodon, which is uh, the Greek word, I prefer it in the New King James, although I think the New King James and the NIV and the NASB all come up short. The New King James version con conveys this word with one accord. The NIV translates it simply as the idea of, of being together. And the New American Standard Bible, uh, which is another one of my favorites, but translates it with the, with the, with the phrase, with one mind. But folk, being a church that exists with one accord, which is a, the church that we want to be, we want to be a church that exists with one accord, is more than just about being together, and it's not actually about a church that, that is one with one mind, at least on every point and on every topic. The word actually comes, this Greek word actually comes from two other Greek words, the first one is hamu, which means together. And the second one is thumas, which means passion. Now when I read with one accord or they meet together or they're with one mind, 
nowhere in there do I get the idea of a group of people that are together and passionate about something. And yet that's what this word conveys the idea of. A group of people who are not only together, but they are passionate about something. Now those are two English words that I want you to to hold on to, and, and I'm almost done with the technical part here, and then we'll move on from the technical part. But, but from, I wanna share with you a thought from the New Testament Theological Dictionary. The original hearer, to the original hearer, says, when these words were put together, this word, uh, hamathudon, I need to work on my Greek there, it would convey the idea of a group of people that were moved, that were compelled, that were focused, that were organized around a primary idea or mission. A group of people that, that were moved, compelled, focused, organized around a primary idea or mission. Here's why this phrase is so important for us to understand so that we can truly say, this is our church. We are a church that exists with one accord. Because in our modern day and age, to be in one accord, all you really have to do is gather together and basically agree. If everyone can gather together and agree and not disagree, then hey, that's being together with one accord. But that's not what the Bible is about. That's not what the, the, the true meaning of that, that phrase means. Thus the NIV translation simply has made it, and they met together daily. And, and the NASB has, has translated simply with one mind. But it's more than just meeting together, and it's more than just sharing a few similar ideas, and it's not really about agreeing on every single point. But rather it's about having one mission, one focus, one idea that compels us, that drives us, that moves us, that makes us passionate about something. Let me share a story with you from the early Christian church to help you understand this idea of what I'm saying. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15 and verse 36, Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. This is a story, a story from, from the, the, the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were ministry partners. Barnabas had in fact taken Paul under his, under his wing, so to speak, when he was first converted. He had brought him to the brethren, presented it before the brethren, saying this is an individual that we can trust, we can have faith in, convincing them that he was, he was worth their time and their trust. They were missionaries together. They traveled all over the place, ministering together and preaching together and sharing together. And on one of these occasions, Barnabas decided to take with him one of his relatives, a young man by the name of John Mark. And John Mark went with him on this missionary journey, went with them to serve the Lord. And before long, to put it simply, John Mark got scared or he lost his stomach for the ministry. He got homesick and he went home. Well, to Paul, that one decision by John Mark was enough to basically say, you know what, he's not worth my time. Paul was, was quick to, to make a judgment of John Mark and, and to write him off. Well, Barnabas, on the other hand, just as he had reached out and to Paul and brought Paul into the fold, he 
likewise wanted to do the same with Barnabas, he, or but the same with, with John Mark. His Barnabas actually means one who is an encourager. And so he wanted to encourage Mark. Even though Mar- John Mark had failed or had gone home homesick, he wanted to give him another shot. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas, listen to this, was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And then verse 39, listen to this. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now let me ask you, Paul and Barnabas, when they had this disagreement, when they were not of one mind on this, this, this issue within the church, let me ask you, were they still in one accord? Were they still with one accord? Some are nodding yes, some are not wanting to answer. You're like me in school, don't raise your hand, just in case you're wrong. I wanna put forward the idea that they were still completely in one accord. Not based maybe on our modern definitions of what it means to be together in one accord, but they were still together, though they were not together physically, they were still together in their primary mission, focus, and purpose. They were still compelled by the same big idea to go out and spread the message of Jesus Christ. They were still together in that that they had the same common cause. Were they of one mind? No, they disagreed. They disagreed. In other words, what the Bible is telling us is that you can be with one accord and disagree. You could still be together in one accord and disagree. Why? Because they shared the overall same objective and they did not let their disagreement get in the way of fulfilling that objective. What happened? They disagreed. They disagreed so sharply that they parted ways. But what did they both do? They both went and continued to minister for Jesus. What does this mean for our church? A church that exists with one accord does not mean everyone will agree on every single point. I know that's shocking for some. Some people think, man, if there's any disagreement, they're all flustered by it. But a church that exists in one accord will not agree necessarily on every single point. I believe that over the course of my time here at this church, there will be times that the board makes a decision that, believe it or not, I will not like and that I may not even agree with. And I'm sure that there's times that I'll make a decision and I'll and I'll uh, uh, have a point of view that, that maybe Pastor Marilyn will not agree with. But I believe that even though that may be the case, we can still exist in one accord. In fact, as I read the book of Acts, I see all kinds of disputes and all kinds of disagreements taking place within the church. Disputes about which widows get taken care of 
first. Disputes about who is eating with whom. Disputes about who is giving whom the cold shoulder. Disputes about what people are, are just eating in general. Disputes about who can get what baptism. And disputes about who, uh, uh, disputes about circumcision. And at some point within their church, they said, you know what? You do it this way, and you do it this way, and let's move together still in one accord. You have your view, you have your view, and they can still move together in one accord. I'm sure we could go on about the different disputes, but what kept the church existing with one accord in spite of all those disagreements, in spite of all those challenges, is that they never let their disagreements or their differences distract them from their overall compelling mission and focus. They never let their disagreements move them from what they were ultimately called to do, what they were being compelled to do by the Holy Spirit. I was listening to C-SPAN radio this week. Did any of you know that you have this awesome radio station here called C-SPAN radio? This is one of the greatest things about moving to Maryland. I am so thrilled with this. Any of else listen to C-SPAN radio? Man, not nearly enough of you. 90.1 FM, I'm telling you. C-SPAN radio, I, I listened to it every time I was in the car uh, this week. I absolutely loved it, and I'm not just making that up. I really actually did. And I was listening to a discussion in the Energy and Commerce Resources Committee, uh, chaired by Senator Lisa Murkowski from uh, the great state of Alaska. And they were uh, discussing this little thing some of you may have heard of, uh, the tar stands, uh, tar sands Keystone Pipeline. Anyone heard about that little thing? And they were, they were uh, debating this, this issue, and they were, it has to move through this committee before it can move on to the Senate floor uh, by next week. And one of the elements they had to work through was the addition of amendments. This is, this is uh, uh, common. Oftentimes things are attached to the bill which has nothing to do with the bill at all. One of the amendments that they were speaking about was electric water heaters and the efficiency of electric water heaters. And I was thinking to myself, what does that have to do with a pipeline in Nebraska? I have no idea. But they were discussing all of these, these different things and they have to work through these amendments. Uh, you know, I'll vote for for your bill if you let me attach A, B, or C to it, and, and yada, yada, yada. I don't need to explain this to you all, or Marylanders, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if I was in, back in California, I'd have to explain this to everybody, and even explain to them where Washington, D.C. was. You know, we're an obnoxious, snobbish bunch out there in California, and we don't know, we know where California is, we know where Florida is, we know where Texas is, we know where Hawaii is. Basically, if it's warm, we know where you're at. If you're cold, we don't know who you are. So, but you, you in Maryland understand this whole process. So they're, they're debating this, this amendment, and one senator put forth this amendment, and it was an amendment with four points to it, a very short amendment with four points, very simple uh, points that, that uh, weren't even that actionable. There were more statements uh, that, that he wanted to have inserted into the, the recognition of, of Congress, and and they began to, to talk about this thing. And after he put together those four points, another senator from the other party uh, responded to the amendment stating that he was, and I will quote him, also very passionate about this issue. And that he couldn't support this amendment because the wording of the fourth point 
And would the senator mind rewarding or removing that fourth point? The other senator says no, he would absolutely not consider removing or rewording that fourth point. Uh, other senators began to get into the debate, and the b political talk is so funny. It can also be very grueling, but it's so funny to me. I love it because they're, they're, very, they're very polite while being absolutely horribly mean to each other. Like, I'd like to remind the good gentleman from, from Vermont that he's a complete idiot. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I just love the, the political talk the way it is. It's just, it's just very amusing. And it, it's very much like, like the way of speaking in the South, you know, and my mom does this all the time. Chad, you just, you just really made a mess of it, didn't you? Bless your heart, you know? Bless your heart. You throw bless your heart onto anything, and it works. It, it, makes, it, it makes it okay. But, but this is how, how they were doing, and they were, they were going back and forth about this thing, and, and other sinners got involved in the debate, and then there was a proposal for a fifth point, a point uh, the original proposer of the amendment liked very much. He said, yes, I like that point. And they said, and everybody seemed to like that fifth point. They said, well, can we take out the fourth point and make that fifth point the fourth point? No, we cannot do that. We're not gonna take out that fourth point. And back and forth, they went. And eventually they voted, and guess what? Surprise, surprise, the amendment failed. And none of these people that were supposedly so passionate about this issue move forward at all. Why? Because they let their disagreements get in the way of what supposedly they were most passionate about. I was listening to that and I thought of this sermon and here are a group of sinners who were so very passionate about this issue. They could add three or four items that they all agreed on. And yet because of one disagreement, they were unable to move forward. They were unable to, to grow forward because they let that one disagreement get in the way. A lot of churches have a lot of folk that would say they're in one accord, but, but a group that is in one accord truly moves forward on the issue that they are most passionate about. You're not in one accord simply because we manage to get along or simply because we meet together. But a church that is one accord moves forward. They're compelled by the issue that they're truly most passionate about. But there are a lot of churches that, that fail to grow because they let little disagreements get in the way. There's a church I'm familiar with this is an absolute true story. I won't tell you any other details about the actual church so as not to, not to, uh, to indict anybody. But this church loved to talk about evangelism. And this church was a supporter of every satellite series that, that, that the denomination ever put out there. They were having a satellite series, they were uplinking, they were gonna be a part of it. They send out the flyers, they, they go door to door, they, they'd invite people, and yet this church never grew. They'd go to the conference and they say, we need evangelistic pastors. Give us an evangelistic pastor. And yet this church never grew. Why? Because they were like those sinners. And, and, when, and when they needed to make a change or they went, needed to move forward, they couldn't do it based on some little agreements. For instance, one time, when they decided they needed a new carpet for the church, hey, we wanna be a church that's attractive for people to come to. 
and they needed new carpet on the church. I read this in books, and I did not believe that this ever happened. I believe that every pastor that told the story that people actually fought over carpet color was just making it up, that they were telling a tall tale until I was familiar with this church. They were having a business meeting to discuss carpet, and an actual physical altercation broke out between two members over carpet color. No lie. On another occasion, this church was very much, we need, a, we need a young pastor. Conference, we want a young evangelistic pastor because we need to bring in the youth and we want to support the youth. And one time, the youth got up on the platform one Sabbath and an entire row of the church got up and walked out. And when they found out why, they, it turned out that one of the youth had flip-flops on up on the platform. So the next Sabbath, a whole group of adults from the other faction of the church showed up in flip-flops just to make the row that got up angry. Y'all, in the case of the Senate committee or in the case of the church, the reason they were not in one accord was not because they disagreed, but because they let their disagreements become larger than their mission. They let their disagreements become larger than their mission. Larger than the thing that they were most passionate about. What will keep this church, what will keep Spencerville existing in and with one accord? If we can all unite around one mission, one theme, one purpose, one focus. I want you to know that in this church, there will be times that there are things that you don't like. And there will be times that you disagree. And that's okay. It's okay to have those moments and those times. As long as we never allow our disagreements or our differences to become larger than our ultimate purpose. That which ultimately made Paul and Barnabas in one accord even when they went their separate ways. That which made the church ultimately of one accord even when this group said, we need to be circumcised. And this group said, no, we don't need to be circumcised. And even when this group said, we shouldn't hang out with the Gentiles. And this group said, yes, we should hang out with the Gentiles. How could they still be in one accord in those situations? is because they remembered that they shared one ultimate mission that compelled and drove each one of them. And it's one verse from John chapter 12 and verse 32. One statement from the lips of Jesus himself. One truth that drove Paul and Barnabas. One truth that drove the early church. One truth that kept them existing in one accord, one truth that I actually read in, in Evangelism, page 350, just this morning, that Ellen White says, every church in the land, she says, all the churches in the land could learn much more of this issue, of this one truth, and it is this. John chapter 12, verse 32. And I, Jesus said, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people's to myself. I, if I am lifted up, Jesus said, will draw all peoples to myself. What is the one compelling issue, the one compelling thought, the one compelling truth 
that, that should supersede everything else, and no matter what our difference is, will still drive us towards being a church that exists with one accord. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified and nothing else. If Jesus is lifted up, if we make a decision as a community of faith to make Jesus better known and better loved in every aspect of our lives, both inside and outside of this church, if that is what truly compels us, we will always be a church that will meet together with one accord. If you as an individual make a decision to say, I will let nothing else be a distraction from that, from that one truth that will drive me, Christ and him crucified, then we will continue to be a church that will exist in one accord. I want to invite you to pull out your connection cards with me at this time. Deacons, please stand if you have those connection cards with you. If you don't have a connection card, please just raise your hand really quick and a deacon will get one of those to you. I see some deacons standing up. I see a few hands going up. Thank you, deacons. And on the front there is some information. You can go ahead and fill that out. If you're a guest here today, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to be able to say thank you and appreciate you for joining us at church today. If you're looking for a church family, we would love to be that church family for you. But turn over onto the back of your card and it says my next step today is also there's an I'm interested in section before I go to the next steps today, and as they're still passing those out, I'm interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus. If you are sitting in here in our midst and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus and you are interested in, in beginning a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to check that box and we will be happy to follow up with you and to connect with you. If you want information on baptism, if you've never made that step of faith in baptism, information on church membership or, or receiving Bible studies in preparation for baptism, We'd love to connect with you in that. But in specific to this sermon today, my next step today is, is you respond to this sermon. I desire to be a part of a church that exists with one accord. If that's your desire, man, I want to be a part of a church that exists with one accord, check that box. Hopefully every single one of you can check that box. Hopefully every single one of you can check that box. The second one is I understand existing with one accord means that I may not like every aspect of my church. I know that's worrisome for some of you, but I understand that existing with one accord means that I may not like every aspect of my church. If we go in with thinking that in mind, like, you know what? I really don't like how much that new pastor moves around. I wish he would just stand still. If the camera person, Murray just raised his hand in the back. God bless you, Murray. Murray, you may not like how much I move, but I bet Murray and I can still exist in one accord. And we say, you know what? We're not gonna let that little difference that Chad moves way too much get in the way. We can recognize that up front and accept that right up front. Then finally, to help Spencerville Church stay in one accord, this is one I really want you to pay attention to. To help Spencerville Church stay in one accord, I will be a member that will work to make Jesus more fully known and more fully loved inside and outside the walls of this church. I hope you can check those boxes and make that commitment. As you leave today, you can turn these in at the, at the, as the deacons at, in the offering plates at the back door or at the welcome center. But we want to be a church that exists with one accord.
which means more than just meeting together, which doesn't necessarily mean that we agree on everything, but a church that has decided that there is one overriding truth that compels us and drives us and is based on the words of Jesus Christ. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So let us be a church that goes about lifting up Jesus at every opportunity and let us exist with one accord. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you are the compelling truth, Jesus. Your life, your death, your resurrection, your intercession for us in the heavenly courts. We thank you that you are the one compelling truth that drives us. May we be a church that spends time learning more about Jesus Christ and him crucified. In your name we pray, amen.